Humans, 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 it's a Friday. This is your Friday cast. Earliest you can hear this, September 16th. It's a Friday. You better believe it. We've got an interview today. We've got an interview with a runner and an activist and a whole lot of other things. Dehako. And folks, before we get into that, I have just a tiny little gripe. I was out this Monday night. I went out and it was I was attending a friend's birthday. I was attending a friend's birthday. And I was out and I was I was out a little late for a Monday night. I think I got home around midnight or so, but around ten. Some person at this bar party that I'd never met before. We were striking up quite the conversation, he and I and a few others. And some people kind of left. And when the people left, this this person I was talking to, he goes, Oh boy, look at that. Don't you remember when people used to like really go out and stay out on a Monday night? Jeez, what what time are they leaving? What time is it? Ten o'clock? <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, like, dude, do you do you go out on Monday nights? Like, what? When people say stuff like that, oh man, I remember when people used to go out on Monday nights and then they're criticizing someone else for leaving early. It's like, what What are you, like a Monday night warrior? Are you out every single Monday night till like 1 or 2 a.m.? Like I just, the vibe I got was no. The vibe I got was no. But that's just, that's the case with these people, right? People just say stuff like that. It's like, I just, maybe I'm way off base. But uh, look at look at these people going home at ten o'clock on a Monday night. Unreal. Okay, dude. <laughs> anyway, what would I know? What would I know? I uh, I attended this party. I did want to catch the end of the Monday night football game because I had a few dollars on it, and I wanted to see how it turned out. Your boy got paid. I only bet five, but, you know, I made a few dollars back. Is this podcast one big place for me to brag about my gambling winnings? Of course it is. It's also a place for us to have a little fun. And let's have a little fun right now with my guest, your pal, Dehako. All right, humans, as promised, here he is live via the telephone. He's I'm on the East Coast. He's on the West Coast. He's a runner. He's an activist. He's a friend. He's a former roommate. Welcome to the Sydney Hollis Show, Dehako. Hey, Sid. Thanks for having me, dude. Great to hear your voice. We uh we haven't uh we haven't really done a proper hang. We were just catching up before we started recording in a while. It's great to uh, it's great to hear your voice, dude. Yeah, likewise, man. I mean, uh, I, for reals, man. I mean. Where did the time go? And uh, <laughs> why have I done the proper hang? I mean, that's <laughs> now I think about it, I'm like, crap. What what did I do with my time? <laughs> you know, it's just I I I'm I'm kind of coming out of this pandemic haze. Yeah, pan, yeah, that's it. Pandemic haze, and then just uh, you know some personal stuff with family that that went on for a good chunk of this year. Fair enough, and we wish you the best on that. Thank so you. so Deha, so you know you're uh you're an avid runner. You're a, you're a marathoner. How many official marathons have you done? Let's see. I've done I've done five marathons. Wow. 
Dude, that's 120-something miles. Yeah, uh, five five marathons and then one ultra marathon. No way. Yeah. Dude, how long was that? Uh, so this this was a uh, uh, this was out in Finger Lakes. So that one was uh, it was a it was a 50k uh, trail uh, trail ultra. So like trail running. So uh, so 50k. That's about 32 miles. Wow, dude freaking impressive uh so it sounds like you're you're very qualified to uh answer you know i'm just an inquisitive guy day i'm very inquisitive it sounds like you're pretty qualified to answer my uh my running questions i know you wanted to give a disclaimer to the listeners this is all just me and you talking this is not uh this is by no means go do go out and do this stuff consult your physician first yeah, and I'll add, I'll, I'll, and I'll add to that that, that um, it's like uh, what I'm about to like uh, you know discuss is based upon uh, personal experiences and personal opinions of mine, and that um, uh, that uh, you should uh, and it's not to be taken as expert advice. Uh, please, you know, uh, please consult a certified uh, a coach, a trainer, um, and as Sid said, uh, your your physician. All right, so we're off to the races now. Uh, so, so Deha, um, first of all, like you, when we were roommates, you were going out. I mean, you would just you would just leave the house on a Monday night and just go casually run like a half marathon uh, with your running club. I mean, I was just like, I couldn't believe it was something that I had trained, you know, five months for, and then you're just like out the door on a Monday night to go rip off a quick little half marathon with your with your buddies. Yeah, true that. Uh, actually, those those Monday nights, uh, those those Monday night runs uh, was with uh, the North Brooklyn Runners. It was a it was a run called the Night Owl, uh, where um, it's like it was it, it was within the nine to ten mile range. Yeah, um, yeah, nine to t- ten mile range uh, with people with with a pace of going anywhere between uh, six to seven and a half minutes per mile. Uh, I mean that's the uh, <laughs> that's that's, incredible. that's pretty fast. It is fast, dude. Uh, and it, you know, and also a very difficult terrain too. I mean, uh, you know, about like uh, you know, about half the route comprised of going back and forth on the Williamsburg Bridge twice. So what I mean by twice is like um, it's like two complete circuits. Like you know, running. It's like starting on the Brooklyn side, yeah, running on the Manhattan side, back, and then. Uh, off the bridge, running around the base of the bridge on the Brooklyn side, then back again, back and forth again. Um, and uh, those who are familiar with the Williamsburg Bridge know that it's a very, uh, you know, it's a very steep hill incline. Uh, so it's it's difficult for uh, for bike, uh, biking across as well as running across. Yeah, it's a it's a steep one, and the steepness is very long. It's a long steep one. Yes, yes, that that's correct. So to be able to do this and to do it at a at a breakneck pace. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> uh, it, it takes it takes a certain mindset to, to you know to, to do something like that. And one of and is this the run where like the run leader just kind of decides where you're going and they they can like be as much of a sadist as they choose to be, kind of a thing. Um. So this actually, the, the, so the night owl run was was a fixed route. Okay. Um, yeah, it always it always stuck to um, it, it always stuck to four times around uh, like McCarran Park Trek, south on you know run south on Driggs, back and forth on the uh, Williamsburg Bridge once, 
and then around the base of the Williamsburg Bridge clockwise, back and forth again on the Williamsburg Bridge, uh, and then north on Driggs, and then four times around McCarran Track. Um, so that, um, uh, yeah, so that, that totaled about 10 miles. Wow. It's Maybe. also kind of thing to do it on a, not just the route, but also to do it on a Monday night. <laughs> I know. Seriously, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I've always I, I've always joked that uh, uh, you know I always I've always joked that the run was was very much was was, was pretty much a cult. <laughs> that run was pretty much a cult. <laughs> like that specific run. Yeah, it's a, actually it's like uh, it's like in, in North Brooklyn runners, you know, we, we would joke that the Run Club was a cult. So sometimes the night out was the was the cult within the cult. Now we're getting in deep, dude. That's I, I like that the cult within the cult. So you mentioned your running club, North Brooklyn Runners. Uh, you know, you 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 were a member of that uh, when we lived together. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys ran. A, hell of a lot and then once you told me about your running club i started noticing the jersey like the uh, runners jerseys and the t-shirts you know all over uh new york city uh specifically in north brooklyn where we both uh used to live and i still live and uh and but like it wasn't just a running club i mean you guys had some wild parties yeah you know it's uh yeah, we we love we, we we love it. We love a good time, you know. And I, I think it goes with the territory because, like, when you train that hard, uh, you're also going to party, uh, you know, um, you know, pretty hard too. Um, but uh, yeah, we never did. We never did anything to uh, anything to excess. Um, <laughs> you know, at, at least at, the, at least at the you know the events that uh, I, I was at. Fair enough. Um, but. This, this is also something you know. It's like it's it's something I noticed too with Olympic athletes. They'll they'll just train like crazy, like you know, like that, and like have no life, and then like when they win their medals, you know, you know, they go nuts. You yeah. Know? Hence, hence, you know, hence, uh, hence, hence the quote: "What happens in the village stays in the village." Oh, okay, okay. At the Olympic Village, I mean, I've always yeah. heard they give them like condoms, right? That's one of the big things they give out a lot of condoms. Oh yeah. Yeah, they give out they give out a lot of condoms. Uh, I think was it at the 2000 Sydney Olympics? They actually ran out, and they had to do like an emergency order of um, uh, of, of, of condoms. <laughs> I, I, it, it makes sense. I mean, like you know, when you train like that as an athlete, I mean, you're around good looking people all the time. Um, you know, and right. you know, I finally got to see like up, you know. Uh, up, up close myself, like uh, when I was in Rio, uh, I was in a, I was in a Brazilian, you know, I was in a restaurant, uh, you know, surround, you know, and it just so happened there were other Olympic athletes like surrounding us, and I'm like, boy, uh, look, all these really good-looking people. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you see, them, but then like you see it like in person, you're just kind of like, well, okay, Team Iceland, Team Ireland, Kenya, wow, Team Spain, Brazil, yeah, these are all really good-looking people. <laughs> I forgot you went to. Uh, I forgot you went to Rio for the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it was it was a really cool experience. You know, it, you know, it was one of those things. Like I grew up as a fan watching the Olympics on TV, and then uh, you know, it's like uh, you know, my buddy, uh, my, my buddy Russell Marks was also a uh, um, you know who, who was also a, a, a triathlete. And it was like, hey, you know, it's like we should go to the Olympics. And I just thought, you know, hey, why, why not, right? I mean, this is a, it's a, it's a opportunity of a lifetime, right, to be able to see it in person. Yeah. And 
be able to see Usain Bolt do his like uh, 200-meter run, oh, hell yeah. That was awesome. Dude. And like, I mean, in Rio of all places, I mean, was it was it wild? Uh, let's see. Wild is an understatement. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, yeah. It was a very it was a very uh, carnival like atmosphere. Um, you know, and like uh, you know, like Brazil was still pretty sore from their uh, devastating loss to Germany during the World Cup in 2014. So um, you know. So while not the World Cup, you know, they were still very hell-bent on getting their um, revenge uh, in the Olympics. Um, so I remember during, um, uh, uh, during I think it was like their quarterfinal match, um, you know, they were, uh, you know, uh, I think they eliminated, was it like, I think it was Nicaragua. Um, and after that win, they were just yelling, like, you know, in Portuguese, like, Germany, we're coming for you. Like, they were just so hell-bent on getting, getting you know, the re- getting revenge against the uh, humiliation. Oh, wow. Yeah, so when it came to the gold medal match, yeah, they, uh, <laughs> yeah, they kicked his ass, and uh, there was celebration everywhere. I, I don't, I cannot remember where there was not a party, um, and, uh, you know, where I was at, like, um, like I, I didn't buy my drinks that night. Everyone was buying me drinks. <laughs> wow. It's just that much. That people were that happy. Yeah. 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 People, people were that happy. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know it's like, uh, you know, Brazil is, you know, has been one of the, you know, greats in, in soccer and they, they have to reclaim their place, you know? And so when they do, the drinks are on Brazil. Drinks are on the house. Drinks are on the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you're a foreigner. <laughs> now, speaking of drinks, now when you go out, I, you know, I don't know what exactly, uh, like, let's like say you're going out on a run, uh, you know, whatever a casual run is for you. Do you do you bring water with you, or do you just kind of stay hydrated because you're such an athlete that you just kind of stay hydrated? Do you do one of those fuel belts? I mean, what's your what's your setup? Um, yeah, so uh, so it depends. Uh, I'll say this in um, uh, in New York, uh, in New, at least the routes that I've um, I, I've done for uh, like for practice runs, um, there are enough like public water fountains. Um, and like bodegas that you could stop into, like, you know, should you, you know, should you need water? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're, so we're, you know, so New York city is, is fortunate in that, um, uh, in, in that regard, you know, to be able to do that. Um, I'm trying to remember, I think I maybe only carried, uh, like a water bottle once if, if I, if I can remember, um, in, you know, and also, and also, this was largely because I like, especially in the summertime, um, I would do my training runs. You know, like you know, like like the night I was at night, or very early in the morning. Okay. Like, yeah. So, um, you know, even though it's still hot, you know, it's, you know, it's like you uh, was it, uh, I, uh, you know, you, you, I, 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 sweat a lot less. Um, so and, and less water and then i'm like and i'm like oh, okay well if i do need to stop someplace i'll just hit the water fountain um as far as a fuel belt is concerned um yeah i sometimes brought those on like really longer training runs um like when i would say like if i'd be doing like uh like say like a 14 16 or 18 miler um i would you know i would have i would wear one on hand just in case 
Um, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's 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 me personally. I've known people who you know don't wear fuel belts or carry water bottles with them. You you're know, like doing those. Runs. You're almost like the Alex Hunold of running. Like you're like I don't need any ropes or gear. Like I'll just I'm just gonna go do this uh, bare bones. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think better for I am. <laughs> yes. Now, how do you, like, like, let's say you're doing a supported marathon. You know, let's say you're doing the New York City Marathon or something. Like, do you, do you, um, like, at the water stations, are you going to do water? Do you do Gatorade, too? What's your regimen with that? Um. Let's see. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I think my first, I, I don't remember the first time I volunteered. I ended up, I, I did Gatorade, but then I, I was very sticky afterwards. Or, I mean, rather, like, when you're actually running, like, what do you grab from the drink station if you're a runner oh, in a oh, marathon? Oh, but, oh, what do I grab? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a mix of both. Um, you know, oftentimes, I don't necessarily think about it. I'm just kind of like, all right, I'm just uh, grab whatever that is and then just, just drink it. It'll help me. Uh, <laughs> it'll help me the other. Yeah, I guess my biggest concern, like, when doing any marathon yeah. was, uh, like, just hitting the wall. Okay. Yeah, and that's, you know, there's, there's various reasons why that happens, but sometimes that can happen because, you know, when your body runs out of carbs, it's trying to look for something else to burn to keep you going. Yeah. And when it can't quite find it right then and there, then, you know, you kind of, you get, you just, you just hit that wall. You know, you just feel like you just can't like keep, keep going. Or oh, I never go. knew that's what, that's kind of what the wall was is like, you're like, your body's like run out of stuff and it hasn't switched over to some other thing yet. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like trying to learn, you know, like, you know, it's trying to look for fat to burn, but like it, it's, it's not like it hasn't switched over. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and there's a uh, there's a similar phenomenon, uh, you know, when you when you uh, um, uh, when you cycle, it, it's known as bonking. Oh right. So runners call it the wall, and cyclers call cyclists call it bonking. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why you know that, that's that's why all those racers on the Tour de France, you know, are consuming like you know six thousand, eight thousand calories <laughs> right. you know, per. per well speaking of calories i love how confident you are in a marathon where you're like i'll just drink whatever where i feel like when i've heard of like people that have, that have, are training for their one and only marathon they have their like drink station and their goo regimen figured out to a t and you're kind of like well i'll just grab whatever it is yeah it's i mean people have to find what what works for them um you know and uh, you know, it's like, and that's, that's part of, that's part of the uh, regimen of training is that you, you know, you, you, uh, you know, you figure out like what, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, like, you know, what you feel comfortable with. And, you know, it's like, uh, you know, if you're under the guidance of like a coach or a trainer, you know, they can tell you what's, you know, well, what's, what is best, what is best for you uh, and how, you know, um, you know, how to best keep your endurance, you know, while, while running. Sure. Now, Deha, you've run some marathons. What's your favorite city you've run a marathon in? Like, where where did the crowd kind of get you jacked? Where was the sightseeing nice for you? What 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 city has given you lasting memories? I mean, New York City Marathon. You know, I mean, it's uh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing nothing beats the thrill of the New York City Marathon. Uh, you know, just 
everything about it, like running, like running through all five boroughs, seeing crowds like the entire way. Like it, it's like one giant big block party, <laughs> you know, with with some people. It just it just so happens with fifty thousand people running through it. Fair enough. I mean, I love to party for the marathon for sure. I mean, that date is always marked in my calendar to make sure I'm free and cleared on that Sunday morning for sure. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I mean, just and then just like the whole challenge and logistics of, you know, getting 50,000 people to Staten Island. <laughs> right. Yeah, yep, yep. And then, uh, you know, just like, uh, you know, seeing everyone in the starting queue along the Verrazano Bridge and then all those like... Uh, you know, all those discarded warm-up clothes. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about that. That's such a thing. And I, I, it's like such a thing for sure for the New York City Marathon. I would, I'd assume anywhere where it's a little brisk, where like you actually wear like a long sleeve t-shirt and some gloves that you plan on throwing away, right? Yeah, it, it, exactly. I mean, like, uh, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like you just, you, you, you get a pair of like, uh, like cheap, like dime store, like sweatpants, shirts, gloves, you know, what, whatever it is that you need to like stay warm. Um, you know, because most years it's, you know, it's fairly, it's, it's fairly cold and then like the wind can be whipping up. So you definitely, you definitely do want to stay, uh, you do want to stay warm. There was one year though, where I can't remember which one it was, but yeah, it, it was close to 60 degrees on marathon day which, you know, is quite unusually, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's great while waiting around, but yeah. then in terms of running, that's actually quite warm. Okay, fair enough. And we're yeah. talking about the first Sunday in November here, right? That's when it yeah, always first, is. Yeah, the first Sunday, yeah, the first Sunday in November, yeah. Now, like, it seems, maybe I'm just making this up in my head, but it seems like the running season really always peaks in the fall and then it kind of goes dormant for the winter time. Is that pretty, I mean, maybe I don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to figure that out, but is that pretty on point? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that, that's on point, um, I would, I would say for, uh, New York, uh, yeah, for New York City. Okay. Because everything, it just seems like the running season, uh, revolves around the marathon. So a lot of people, you know, will be uh, trained throughout the year leading up to the marathon. And then it just like, it, it, it tapers off, uh, af- afterwards. Um, I would say I would say that probably the dead point for any kind of training would be uh, February, um, just because there generally aren't uh, there generally aren't like uh, major races happening in and around that time. Oh, so no one's really training for anything because there's really nothing to train for. Yeah, or they're doing they're not they're not training so heavily. They might still be doing some cross training or like lighter runs, but uh, no one that I know of or myself was doing any heavy training during the month of February. And now, you know, I always I always notice something to me that is strange. So I love to watch the marathon every year. I watch it right here in Greenpoint and I have a ball doing it. But if I ever kind of go for a stroll later on or one year I did end up in Central Park because I was watching it with a friend of mine and his like sister-in-law was in the race. But but if you look around, sometimes you'll notice that people are like, you know, out jogging for fitness. Like this is even after the race is over. But I just can't imagine myself deciding to run on marathon day. Like I, I would just feel like, well... No need to run today. Like I've clear, like this is the pinnacle of running. Why would I? Why would I run today if I'm not in this race? I want to either watch running or, or party. Like I don't really. 
it always weirds me out when I see people like just jogging on their own on marathon day. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is. It is interesting. Like, cause it's 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 just such a contrast between like you know that you know the day of the marathon and then yeah. just you know people we jogging around. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it would be like it, playing basketball during the NBA finals or something. Like, I don't know. Don't you want to watch the game? That you're, don't you kind of enjoy watching the game you're going to go play? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's like the logic doesn't seem to add up. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it's it's part of like being the big city that New York is. You know, just people just kind of in the, doing their own thing, kind of in their own universe. Or perhaps maybe some people get inspired to just be like, oh, hey, uh, I see all these uh, like marathoners. Gee, maybe I should go out and do a run too. Or hmm, maybe uh, I should get in shape and go for this uh, thing next year. Right. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe I'm being too judgy. Maybe it's like this actually got people off the couch and they were like, I'm going to today, the rest of my life begins now. Yeah. Well, it's like 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Deha, you have a really cool thing about you that you were on the front page of the New York daily news, uh, about two, two ish years ago. I mean, it's it's pretty cool, man. You're the front freaking front page of the newspaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was it was funny because that photo was taken during the march to uh, to keep the eviction moratorium in place. And there were tons of photos being like taken uh, during that event, and for whatever reason, they uh, they chose that photo and slapped on the front cover of the New York Daily. Yeah. News. Wow, what a way to put it! Like, of thousands of people that were like doing this march, or hundreds, or what? What? What may it have been? They, it's just a photo of just you, and the the photo, you know, the the headline reads: "Rent and rave, tenants and landlords face off as state's two point four billion dollar COVID relief plan kicks in," and it's you holding a Cuomo cancel rent sign. Uh, it's yeah. it's it's quite the photo. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got. I mean, I guess uh, you know, just uh, you know, looking at it again, I'm like. Yeah, <laughs> that is quite the photo. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I joked to my mom that I was like, look, I finally made it in New York. <laughs> <laughs> now, you you do some political activism. And, and in fact, several of my friends are like, hey, text Deha and ask him, you know, what's up with this certain proposition or something like that? Because they kind of know you're in the know. And uh, but you you go to Albany sometimes for your activism and. I just want to say from the get-go, Albany perplexes me. I'm a New Yorker. I've been here 15 years now, and I live in New York City, but I, I'm i embarrassed to say I don't know where Albany is. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how big it is. To, to me, it's just this place, and I, I guess I assume laws get made there, but otherwise, I don't know anything about it. Well, you just described the perfect metaphor for Albany itself. <laughs> Like they don't know what they are, or or everyone's just lost, or it is a place where that that functions on gossip and uh, being in the know, <laughs> and uh, a place where nobody knows what's going on, and everyone knows what's going on. Oh, um, I see. Okay. Yeah, and, and then uh, you know, and then about Albany being that tiny thing uh, above New York City. Well, uh, and as far as how to get to it. Yes, it is hard to get 
get through because every time you leave New York City, you got to pass through like tunnels, toll booths, getting onto the you know correct freeway, yeah, fight through the traffic. Uh, you know, it, it just seems like such a concerted effort just to get to Albany itself. <laughs> um, and, and then even when you do actually arrive in the city limits, it's like, okay, where to put the bus, where to put the car. Right. And then trying to get to the building itself. The the government complex itself is 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 a maze. I had to memorize like certain like features or landmarks inside the building so I remembered where I was. Wow. Just to yeah, find your so, way in and out. So the uh, the office complexes, the legislative buildings themselves are a metaphor for Albany. Total confusion, very big, very just dis- like so there's a disconnect. Yes. Now, like, can so, you even get to our state capital by public transportation, or you have to like arrive there in an automobile? Do you mean like public transportation? Do you mean like? Oh, I guess train? by train. Can you get there by train, or you have to take a bus? I guess is my question. Yeah, you could. You could. Yeah, you could actually take the Amtrak. Oh. Um, huh. Yeah, you you can take the Amtrak up to. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you can take the yeah Amtrak up up to Albany. Uh, but the train station isn't directly in the city. Uh, from actually, from there you have to take an you have to take an Uber. Okay. Uh, get to the capital itself. So I've been to DC. Maybe I went to DC maybe about seven ish years ago. And to me, I was like, oh, this this and you know, no offense to Washington DC here, but I was like, oh, this town's a little boring nightlife wise, and it clo- things close early, and then people, the locals were kind of telling me, oh yeah, you know, everyone just. You know, there's just that whole, like, everyone's involved in politics, and it's a little bit, like, there's a little bit of, like, staleness to it or something. I mean, is, is Albany, like, a miniature version of that? You know, Albany is also a, it's also a college town, oh. in addition to the capital. So, there's actually, a, yeah, there, there's actually plenty of nightlife to be found, you know, because, you know, a lot of it is aimed, you know, like, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, a lot of it's aimed towards college students, um, so there's there's plenty of bars and entertainment uh, venues um, like right along Pearl Street. And yeah, uh, so, yeah. OK, OK. So so it's, yeah. so it's maybe maybe as a New Yorker, I should eventually make a trip to my state capital. Yeah, I, I would say people should at least see it once. You right. Know? <laughs> yeah. To know where our laws are being made. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you want to do it, shit some giggles, you know, um, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you, you know, definitely go up there. I mean, it's uh, well. I mean, actually, funny you mentioned Washington D.C. It's like in D.C. It's like you just you have to know. I've been there a few times myself. Um, actually, I think one year I was down there like three times. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, you just got to you just got to know the right neighborhoods and streets to hit in order to see like the like the interesting nightlife. Uh, but what what I will say is that uh, in some respects, like Albany and Washington aren't any different along like their um, you know. Um, I guess along, along like, like where all the social hangouts are and that like get these bars and then you get like all the suits, you know, yeah. you know come in after a day of lobbying, uh, you know, taking shots and trying to hit on the bartenders. <laughs> like all, all the suits are trying to hit on the young women bartenders. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's, yeah. Cause you know, they, you know, they all work at like, you know, freaking think tanks or like corporations. Yeah. You know? They all think they're hot shots, you know, 
you know, I've always seen the Albany lobbyists as like, you know, the K Street wannabes <laughs> or, 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 K Street, or K Street in training for DC. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to be honest, Deha, I've, I've fallen victim to hitting on a few bartenders in my time as well, you know. Hey, nothing. Hey, nothing. Nothing wrong with that. It's just, <laughs> I, I, I think, just with the suits, it's just, it's, it's just, it, it's, it's just like funny, you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm this hot shot. I just, I just closed, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, I just closed a deal worth millions of dollars, and now I just, uh, you know, insist on some campaign contributions, uh, you know, in the five or six figures, and uh, hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, so so with the um, with the rent thing, I mean, back during you know back during the peak of of kind of lockdown with the the uh, pandemic, and especially here in New York, um, I mean, you were you were like really out there doing God's work, trying to uh, trying to get you know rent canceled and people not to be able to be evicted. I mean, you were really going for it. And what was that like to be to be rallying and stuff during that time? Um, it was, uh, it was both exciting and, and hard work, um, all at, all, all at the same time. Um, you know, because, you know, it's like, it, there weren't a lot of protective measures in place and, um, and then also, you know, trying to make, you know, really trying to keep the pressure on lawmakers to, you know, you know, hold the eviction moratorium in place you know, while trying to push for uh, a cancellation of rent because, you know, people's, uh, you know, back rents kept piling up and, um, you know, to a point where, you know, nobody could owe back the, uh, you know, like, uh, owe back the amount, you know, which usually amounted into the tens of thousands of dollars. Wow. Um, and, you know, it's like uh, low, in- low income black and brown families uh, are particularly vulnerable Um you know, uh, you know, to this. So, you know, just a real, just to try to, a real push to try to, you know, uh, you know, again, like try to, you know, cancel rent or uh, some other kind of mitigation uh, that could keep uh, people in their homes. Um, right. But, uh, you know, it's like neither Governor Cuomo and our current governor, uh, Kathy Hochul, have any vested interest uh, in, you know, uh, in, in, in canceling the rent. And in fact, actually, uh, Governor Hochul um, allowed the eviction moratorium to expire uh, this past uh, this past January. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. So you can um, now be evicted again. Uh, those COVID that COVID stuff is now over. Oh yeah, I mean people like people, I mean since January fifteenth, that's when when the eviction um, uh, moratorium was lifted. Now to be you now to clarify. This was this is the New York State eviction moratorium. The federal one had long since expired. Okay. Um, so since January fifteenth, uh, people have been uh, evicted in mass. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty it's it's pretty horrible. I think in the month of August, uh, four hundred thirty one people were evicted. Wow. No, that's legal eviction. Yeah. Uh, for, for illegal eviction, we don't know the numbers uh, because. Landlords will do things to harass the uh, harass the tenant uh, so badly that they just kind of self evict, or they'll do an illegal lockout, and the tenant feels like they have no choice but just to leave leave the premise. Yeah, we don't we don't we don't know those those numbers could also be uh, in the hundreds, if not thousands. 
Because it sounds like a lot of tenants, because you, you're big on tenants' rights as well. It sounds like a lot of tenants don't really know what their rights are as tenants. Yeah, I would, I would say I would say that's true. Um, and, you know, I think largely because, uh, you know, one, uh, it's like it's uh, the uh, people haven't like, uh, received education uh, about uh, their rights as a tenant. Um, you know, it's like uh, oftentimes that information is not always readily available, um, nor, you know, nor may your lease necessarily explain it clearly. Um, and then I, I think, too, um, you know, it's like if if people have been in a position like for much of their, um, I guess, um, you know, much of much of their working life where they've just, uh, you know, like take it for granted that they've always had the money just to pay the rent. Right. They just they, they just don't they just don't think about it. Um, you know, and, you know, and then, and then when confronted with these extraordinary situations, uh, you know, they, they don't know what to do. Wow. Wow. Um, it, you know, it's, it's actually kind of funny because it's like, uh, it, it, you know, just like, you know, in, in doing the advocacy work, you know, I found that, uh, in some respects, like people who, uh, come from lower income backgrounds, yeah. uh, have been who have been screwed over, you know, like uh, through policies, you know, uh, with regards to housings, in some respects are actually better educated on because of, of the things that they've had to go through. Like they've dealt with these landlords doing these bad tactics, and so they've actually had to learn what's not okay, and then actually like like learn it, learn it for survival almost or something. Yeah, it, 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 exactly, and they've had to make use of uh, you know public services and uh, advocacy organizations uh, made available to them. You know, it's because uh, you know it's like when you're in a position of relative economic privilege. Yeah, like you, you just don't like think about those things, and you know I think there's also an assumption that you know that if issues do come up, uh, you know landlords will respond in good faith. And take care of uh, you know uh, you know take care of all you know, your concerns, but uh, I think the pandemic has revealed that uh, yeah, that's not the case at all. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Don't count on your landlord to like suddenly you know help you out in that kind of a situation. Yeah, and actually during the pandemic, I've had several people come to me you know and asking me you know like people who have never had to you know like you know assert their tenant rights or like you know or have any, like, knowledge of, of the law, like, come to me and be like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? You know? And, you know, I, I directed people towards resources that I, I thought could, could definitely help. Um, um, and, uh, but, yeah, it just it shows that, yeah, it's like when, you know, you've had that position all this time where you can just been like, you take almost for granted that, like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll get the rent, you know, I'll pay the rent, yeah. Right. It's like, no, I don't like paying rent, but I'll, I'll pay it, you know, regardless. And then, you find yourself not being able to do so, then it's like, oh no, then what? Yeah, you find yourself right up against the idea of being unhoused or something. Yeah, and uh, you know, with uh, and even more so now with uh, rents going up by twenty percent or more. I mean, there have been there have been documented cases where the rent goes up as much as fifty percent. That's insane. God, it's crazy. So Deha. Um, on a lighter note, you know, we, 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 our heart goes out to people that are experiencing uh, possible eviction and rent problems, and we thank you for your advocacy. But, uh, Deha, on a lighter note, you're a Seattle Seahawks fan. I've got to ask, 
you know, how do you feel about Russell Wilson? I mean, your Seahawks faithful did boo him on Monday Night Football the other night during the coin toss. Like they were pretty fired up. How how do you feel? Uh, and, and you know, how does Dehako feel about Russell Wilson these days? Well, you know, uh, it's you know, on one hand, you know, he was. I mean, like he was the he was the face for the Legion of Boom. You know, and he, you know, like he was able to, you know, he was able to bring the Seahawks back into the limelight. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as a team worthy of being paying attention to, uh, you know, since the, uh, you know, Sean Alexander era. But, uh, you know, what, what really wasn't known until recently was just the uh, amount of dysfunction that was happening, you know, after, uh, you know, uh, Super Bowl 2015, uh, you know, where they, you know, where they lost to the Patriots and, uh, you know, in part because of the really controversial call of throwing the ball, you know, rather than having Marshawn Lynch run it right over such a short distance. And it seems like there was a, uh, you know, there, there was, there was a broken trust uh, from, you know, from that point on. Um, and I think, you know, that part, uh, you know, like strain the relationship between him and uh, uh, head coach Pete Carroll. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and the fact that they, they got into uh, the playoffs last season, you know, they still were not able to know is, you know, they were knocked out by the Rams. And then, you know, for, for Russell Wilson, the fact that like he had not had a Super Bowl win since, uh, you know, two, you know, 2014. And, you know, here was, uh, you know, Tom Brady still racking up all the wins, you know, um, and then Patrick, uh, you know, Mayholmes, you know, like as M- MVP. Right. I mean, it's you know, it's like it's like when it's like once you get a taste of Super Bowl victory, like like you want more, like you want to be up there. Yeah. Um, and there's also there's also uh, you know there's also an expectation by the public that you know you're now in this you're now in this championship league, and then you gotta like you know you keep you know keep your place there. Yeah, I mean the uh, the twelfth man, the number twelves there uh, in uh, Seattle. They they want wins now. They're hungry for wins. The initial team that comprised the Legion of Boom, you know, was, uh, you know, people were either retiring or getting traded to other teams. So it was in the interest of, of, uh, of Russell Wilson to, you know, go somewhere else where he could, you know, where he can uh, get some more Super Bowl rings. Because he's getting up there in age, you know? I mean, right. well, he's like, uh, he's, he's, I think he's, he's like 30, he's like 34. So, you know, it's like he knows that, knows that time's running out. So he has to, you know, he has to be able to, you know, get on a team that will, you know, that can carry him to the Super Bowl. You know, I think fans do understand, but at the same time, you know, it's, you know, it, it's it's just kind of like, you know, he was such a big part of the team and such a big part of the team's identity. Uh, so it's like, you know, when he, so when he, when, so when he left, you know, you, you can't help but feel a little dis, dismay, dismay about it. Sure. Uh, you know, but at the same time, he's a good sport. At the end of uh, Monday's game, he went and like shook hands with his former teammates as well as with uh, Pete Carroll, and and then he also like exchanged jerseys with uh, someone else on the Seahawks. Oh wow! Signing. Now, if you had been in the stands, let's say you were silent, but then you hear everyone start to boo when he goes out for the coin toss. You know, I've been a part of a mob mentality before myself. Would you have been tempted to boo when everyone else started booing for the when he went out for the coin toss? I probably would have booed with a smile on my face. Okay, that's a great answer. That kind of yeah. that kind of sums up exactly how you feel. You know, you you're you're happy for the guy, but you're still a Seahawks fan, damn it. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's like uh, Geno Smith, you know, had been backup quarterback for many years. And so this was uh, his opportunity to come into his own. Fair enough. Well, Deha, dude, thanks for coming on the show. I think we uh, we we got to know you, which I'm very excited about because I would love to revisit you on like actual marathon weekend. I feel like you're our marathon correspondent here at the show. And I wanted the listeners to to get to know you a little better so that you know, we can just know even more when we when we check back in with you on Marathon Weekend. But, you know, you told us some other stuff along the way. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Sid. You got it. Thanks again to Deha. Thank you, Deha. Folks, that's your Friday cast for you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you right back here next Tuesday. Peace, love, and autographs. Peace, love, and autographs.